And a very good morning to everyone. So good to see you all. We're going through very difficult times. Glad everyone is healthy enough to be here. We are truly blessed to be here. Our opening song this morning will be, We Will Glorify.
Will you pray with me, please? Most Holy Father, we humbly approach your throne of grace and mercy. Father, we thank you that we can worship you this morning, that we have this privilege to worship you. And Father, it's not a normal worship for us. It's few of us physically at the building, many of us watching, viewing, worshiping online. But Father, we still are thankful. And we pray that we never lose the privilege of being able to assemble together together as brother and sisters in Christ to worship you. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us, for all the blessings that you bestow upon us. And Father, we pray that we never lose sight as to where those blessings come from, the small blessings and the large blessings. Father, we are truly thankful. Father, we have some among us who are struggling right now, some with health issues. And Father, we ask a special blessing on them. We want to lift up some of those names to you. But Father, we also want to lift up all of us as we deal with problems great and small. Father, we need your help. Without your help, we struggle more and more. So we pray, Father, help us and watch over us. But Father, we especially ask that you would watch over Calvin Nobles. Calvin had a heart cath on Thursday, Father, when we pray that that went well, and we pray, Father, that there are better outcomes in the future for him. And Father, Rick Wisner, Betty's nephew, received a kidney transplant from his son, Justin. And we pray, Father, that you would watch over both of them and heal them. And Father, what a wonderful demonstration of love, one making a sacrifice for another, something you would want all of us to do in the right situation, to love one another and be willing to sacrifice for one another. And Father, Brenda Harris fell this week and, and broke her arm, and Father, we ask that you watch over and, and, and comfort her, keep her free from pain, Father. And we also ask, Father, that you would please watch over Hank and, and, and help him and encourage him as he copes with this injury that's happened to Brenda. And Father Cody, a friend of the Raps who is suffering from COVID-19 but making some progress, Father, we pray that he will continue to improve, that, that you will nurture him and care for him and return him to normal health. And Father Shirley Townsend, a friend of Mike and Fran, Fran Robinson, had a brain bleed, and we pray, Father, that the doctors might be able to quickly discover the source of that and, and, and remedy that and, and return her to health. And Father, Debbie Skeen, niece of Betty Larner, passed away last week. Father, when we love, lose loved ones, you know, you know the pain and the hurt that we feel. And you know that only you can help fill that void. And, and Father, it's a 
especially troublesome right now when we can't get together to encourage and bolster each other. We pray, Father, that, that you will help them the best that you can. Father, there's also good news. Chris Griffin, son of Charlie and Gail, has returned to active duty with from the Marine Corps this week and following 26 years of decorated service. Father, we thank you for watching over him as he, as he served this great nation and as he helped protect our freedoms and our privilege to worship you this morning. We thank you for watching over him. Father, we ask you to forgive us for our many sins and shortcomings. Father, we make many mistakes. We fall short daily. And we know without your grace and mercy, we have no hope whatsoever. And Father, we thank you for the blessings. And especially the blessing, the gift you gave to us of your son. Having him suffer and die on a cross for the remission of our sins. And we pray, Father, that we never lose sight of that we pray, Father, that we will always realize that sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Father, we ask you to encourage us daily. Father, we ask you to help us grow in faith and understanding. And Father, we ask you to encourage us so that we might one day, Father, hear that phrase that every Christian hopes for, well done good and faithful servant. Be with us in our worship this morning, Father. Watch over us, care for us, keep us safe. This we ask in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Our next song is in preparation for partaking of the Lord's Supper.
Shall we pray for the bread? Our God and our Father, once again we come before you. We're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful for the sacrifice that he made. We're so thankful for the life that he lived while he was here to, to, to give us an example of, of the things that, that we should do and the things that we should be aware of when, when, when we're walking our life. Father, at this time, we ask you to bless this bread that, was, that, that represents Jesus' body hanging on the cross. As we partake of it, we pray that we'll do so in a manner pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Continuing in thanks, Father. We're thankful for the blood that was shed on the cross. We're thankful for the power that's in the blood that is still able to wash away our sins. Once again, we're, th we're thankful for Jesus that was willing to shed the blood, for we know that, that they did not take his life. We know that, that Jesus came and, and laid down his life for us. And we ask you to, once again to, to bless this fruit of the vine. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our song this morning before the lesson will be, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Shall we stand? Have you ever been heading in one direction and took a sharp 180 and went the other direction? Every day. It happened to me last night. Uh, I had a sermon that was pretty close to being done and I, um, I just felt like there was this one thing that had to be addressed before we moved on. This one thing that we needed to talk about before we moved on in the series that we've been doing, um, talking about the relativeness of God's Word in today's time and what we're going through. And that's this idea of having a hunger 
for God? Do we have a hunger for God? Are we hungry for Him? But I wanted to take it from a different turn. I wanted to talk about Deuteronomy 8 is a scripture that I've been saying many times, many times recently, and I want to read it for you one more time today. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. So he's talking about Israel while they were um, heading, heading to the promised land. And it says, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, I want to talk about something that we just don't talk about very much. In fact, I have to be honest and tell you that even in my circles of friends of ministers, we don't talk about this very much. I don't know too many people that do this really all that often. It's something we all know. It's not a secret. It's something we've all heard of before. And it's something that I've been doing quite recently a little more than I ever have before because before I never did it at all. It's interesting that, before I go any further, it's interesting that Jesus quotes this exact scripture when he's tempted by Satan. After he fasts for 40 days, that really, I think it's at the very end of his fast for 40 days, but after he had fasted already for almost 40 days, in his 40-day fast, Satan says, why don't you turn those rocks to bread and just feed yourself? And Jesus uses Deuteronomy 8 to combat Satan. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Today I want to talk about fasting. I want to talk about the significance of fasting. I want to talk about why people fasted, what they did it for, what was, why is it a necessity to the spiritual person? Why is it a necessity to the Christian? So before we get there, I want to talk about who fasted. How about Moses? Now, I put 40 days beside him because the 40-day club is a very exclusive club in the Bible. Only a few people, Moses, Elijah, Jesus, were the only people that at least the Bible records explicitly as fasting for 40 days. Moses is very interesting because Moses fasts on Mount Sinai with God. And, and many people believe this was obviously a supernatural fast because according to the 40 days that Moses fasted, he did not eat nor drink. Science will tell you that if you don't drink for a few days, you're going to die. So we have just went ahead and labeled that as a miracle done by God. God sustained him while he was up on Mount Sinai. He fasts for 40 days. He gets the Ten Commandments. He comes back down. They're worshiping a golden calf. He breaks the Ten Commandments. He goes and fasts for 40 more days on Mount Sinai. That's what he did. Read the Scriptures. Elijah. You remember the battle of Mount Carmel? All the prophets of Baal? Elijah has this great victory. 
over the prophets of Baal? And then the people turn and they kill all the prophets of Baal? Well, Jezebel didn't like that. And Jezebel issues for Elijah to be killed. So Elijah is literally fleeing for his life and he's downtrodden. He's just had this great victory in God. And he's fleeing for his life. And he's actually heading towards what the Scripture says is Mount Horeb. By the way, it's also Mount Sinai, same place Moses met God. And on his way there, what does he do? He eats right before he leaves, fasts for 40 days. It takes him 40 days to get there. He doesn't eat or drink. The Scripture says that that food sustained him until he got there. He drinks, I'm sorry. He does not eat for 40 days. That food sustained him until he got there. David. David fasted after his mistake with Bathsheba. Because Nathan comes and visits uh, David to call him out in his sin. David thinks he has successfully hidden his sin from everyone. He forgot you can't hide your sin from God. So here comes Nathan the prophet. Nathan the prophet says, because you have sinned with Bathsheba, your son that is ill will die. So he fasts for seven days. He fasts hoping that God would change his mind because of his fast, hoping that God would maybe prolong his son's life, his child's life. I don't remember if it's son or daughter. I'm pretty sure it's son. At the end of seven days, the child dies. David basically says, there's nothing more I can do. I'll see him in heaven. And he moves on. Ezra. Ezra fasted before Israel left to go home. They were in captivity. Israel left to go home. They had been taken captive. They had been exposed to things. People had um, um, experienced sin that they didn't normally have in their culture. And Ezra thought, we're on our way home. We're going to have all of our valuables on us. It's going to be the perfect time for someone to raid us, to kill us, to plunder us. So he fasted for safety on their travel home. He also fasted for the sin that Israel committed in the foreign land. Because they had been exposed to things. And they had been tempted in ways they weren't normally tempted in their culture. So he fasted. Esther, before she went to see her husband and beg for the lives of Israel, she fasted. Remember? She was either going to change the king's mind or he was going to find out that she was from Israel and she was going to die too. This was life or death for her. So she fasted as part of her preparation to go to her husband, the king, and ask for grace. Ask for a change. This one's interesting. King Darius. 
King Darius fasted after day after he realized that the decree he made was putting Daniel in the lion's den. Because King Darius and Daniel had become friends. And they tricked them into writing a decree, and once they wrote the decree, now Daniel's praying to God, boom, now you're in the lion's den. And Darius knew he could not, couldn't change it. So Darius fasted for Daniel to be safe. The next one on the list is Daniel. And I'm telling you right now, I promise you, I, I'm skipping. I'm just giving you some. Daniel had a vision that he could not interpret from God about the kingdom of God. And he wanted to know what that vision meant. Desperately, he badly wanted to know what that vision from God was. So he prayed about it, and he fasted. Then we know Jesus, right? This is right at the beginning of his ministry. Right before he basically goes public as the Son of God, what's he do? He fasts for 40 days. And we know the temptations. I don't want to get too, too caught up in those. But Jesus fasted. And I guarantee you that was not the only time he fasted. Paul. Paul, when he realizes that he's been attacking the church of the promise he had been waiting for and is converted by Ananias, he fasts. So some people might think, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not far enough along in my relationship with God. I'm not, I'm not strong enough spiritual fast. And I'm not comparing everybody to Paul. Paul was uh, pretty far along before he ever converted. But at his conversion, he fasted. One more. The elders at Antioch. The elders at Antioch were getting ready to send out missionaries into the land. People from their church, members of their church, were about to go on mission. And so the elders fasted before they sent out the people. Now, I just wanted to show you that this is all through Scripture. Again, I could do a whole sermon just on different people and when they fasted and what they were fasting about. I could do a whole sermon on it. I could spend 40 minutes just talking about, easily talking about fasting in specific situations in the Bible. So how come it's not that important? How come it's not something that we do, if not regularly, somewhat regularly? Now I want to say this, I understand that people have difficulties that can make fasting difficult. 
I understand that. My wife has bad acid reflux. If she goes a day without putting something in her stomach, it's going to be bad for her. It's going to be bad for her. So you might not be able to fast the same way everybody else fasts, but fasting actually started, if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, fasting actually started on the Day of Atonement in Leviticus. Okay, And on the Day of Atonement, the actual Scripture says that you're supposed to afflict yourself. So it didn't actually say you're supposed to restrain from food. It said you're supposed to afflict yourself. So on the Sabbath, what were you supposed to do? You weren't supposed to work. You weren't, supposed, you weren't supposed to work, and you were supposed to afflict yourself. In other words, you were supposed to make yourself uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to do like the pagans and cut yourself or anything like that. Don't take it the wrong way. But you were supposed to make it uncomfortable for yourself. And many people believe that the affliction that they did, even starting back as on the Day of Atonement, was a fast. Now I can tell you by the time you get to Judges 20, Israel's having a civil war with the tribe of Benjamin. And they're killing each other. And Israel is really upset. One, they're getting beat by Benjamin. And two, they're upset. They're killing their brothers. They're killing one of the tribes. And that tribe's killing them. So it says in Judges 20 that the whole nation of Israel, including the army, stopped and fasted. Now you might think you got me. Because in Luke 5, in Luke 5, the disciples of John It said, well, let me just read it. It says, and they said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. In other words, they're calling out the disciples of Jesus. They're saying, you guys don't fast. You remember the parable of the, the Pharisee and, the, and, the, and the, um, the poor man that's praying and, and the one, he's looking at God and he's just beating his chest because he can't, he can't, even, he can't even put into words the way he feels for his actions. And the Pharisee's over there and he's looking at him and he's going, I'm so great, I'm so grateful I'm not like this man. You know what else the Pharisee says in that parable? He says, I give a tenth of everything I own and I fast twice a week. This was normal for the religious leaders to fast multiple times a week. It was expected at the time of Jesus. Okay? So here's the disciples of Jesus. They're being called out because they don't fast. Why don't your guys fast? Everybody else fasts. Why don't you fast? And Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Is it appropriate to fast at a wedding? If you got a wedding to go to this week, I guess you got out. You got an excuse. The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. When Jesus dies, he's saying, when I die and I go away, you better believe they're going to start fasting. Now, why is that important? Because then he goes into the idea of a patch and 
putting a patch on old clothes and why you don't put a patch on old clothes. And then he goes into the new wineskins and, and, and why you don't put new wine into old wineskins, right? And he talks about the, the patch will, will tear the, the clothes and, and the patch won't match right and the wineskins will burst and the wine will be spilled. Everything will get destroyed. He's talking about himself. He's answering the question of why the disciples, while he's there, don't fast. What's the answer? You guys are fasting for the providence of God to come back to Israel. That's why the Pharisees were fasting. That's why the disciples of John were fasting. They wanted the providence of God to return to Israel. And what is Jesus saying to them? I'm right here. What are you fasting for? When I leave, it'll be time to fast again. That's what he's saying. So even the disciples fasted, which we discussed. Now why? i got to get through this really quickly. Why? There's a whole bunch of reasons why. You might say, I've never really had a reason to fast before. Well, they fasted for safety and health. They fasted in mourning and in despair. They fasted for humility. They fasted for repentance. They fasted in conversion. They fasted when they returned to God after they had fallen away. Joel, Nineveh, okay? Joel and Nineveh being Jonah, all right? Guidance. They fasted for guidance. They fasted for deliverance. They fasted for answered prayer. They fasted for transformation and when they wanted change. And they fasted before and during missions. That's all biblical. Go search it out yourself. There's more reasons than that. You don't need much of a reason to fast. Matthew 6 says this, and when you fast, do not look gloomy. This is, very, this is straight from Jesus' mouth. When you, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. So they're grumpy, they're upset, and it's very obvious that they're doing something. They're making the sacrifice for God. When, when the hypocrites do this, they want everybody to know, look at the sacrifice I'm making for God. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Sounds like what he told us when he talked about going into your, into, your, into your closet and praying, right? But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. In other words, make sure you smell good. Make sure you keep yourself clean. Don't let anyone know that you're fasting. It's not supposed to be this thing where you go out and tell everybody in the world you're fasting. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but, your, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you will, in secret will reward you. Now, I have a challenge because I don't find any other time better than now to challenge us as a church to try to fast. It's extremely important. And you know why people don't talk about it that much? Because it's extremely hard to explain in general what fasting is going to do for you specifically. You know why? Because it's difficult to also project and predict where somebody's going to go on their journey on their way to the narrow gate. It's impossible to predict that because we're all on our own individual journeys, just like it's impossible for me to tell you how fasting is going to affect you in your life. It's your fast. It's your brain. It's your heart. Okay? We have lots to fast about right now. We have lots to fast about. We got a country that's pretty divided. Right? Maybe we should fast for unity. 
We've got a disease out there that's even affecting our body of believers right here at North Brevard. Okay? And it's affecting the world worldwide. So, there's so much that we could fast about. I could go through the list of those things too. But I just want to challenge you today. Do it with me. And I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm, I'm putting on my bitter face. And trust me, you will have a bitter face at times. When hunger strikes, you will have a bitter face at times. I can promise you if you get through the first 24 hours, the next 48 are easy. Okay? For those of you who have never done it before, I can promise you that. The first 24 hours are brutal. After your first 24 hours, your body says, he's not going to feed me and just chills for a few days. That's what, it, that's what it does. Okay? So here's my suggestion, and then I'm done for today. This is what I would like to see. This is what I'm inviting you to do with me. I'm doing it. Okay? Eat dinner before 7 tonight. Eat before 7 tonight. Eat all day. Eat as much as you want all day today. I promise you, though, the more you eat today, the hungrier you will be tomorrow. Okay? Eat dinner tonight before 7. Drink whatever you want during the fast. Drink whatever you want. We're not going to go just water. We're not going to go hardcore yet. Let's just start this way. Drink whatever you want. If you have issues like my wife, drink a protein shake when you start to feel nauseous. It'll help. Try to eat nothing. Key word, try, because your instincts, you will be surprised how many times your instincts will lead you to the fridge and your instincts will lead you to the pantry. You will be shocked how many times. Okay? And spend that meal time in prayer and meditation and God's Word. Spend it digesting the Word of the Lord. Seek out what God is revealing and teaching you in this moment. This is extremely important. I can't explain to you what it's going to do for you. I can tell you what it's done for me. Extremely important. Seek out what God is teaching you and revealing you through this experience. And then I want to invite you, 7 p.m., Wednesday night, live stream. If you don't show up, the class is not going to be near as exciting. But I want you to share with me on Wednesday night and with everybody else and everybody out there. I want you to be there and share with us what this experience has done for you. Was it done? I challenge you. Three days. Nobody's going to die from it. You might lose a couple pounds if you're lucky. But I guarantee you'll grow spiritually in three days. So before I go, I just want to give the invitation, which is just really simple. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you something. The, the, the scripture is clear. There is no other name but Jesus Christ that can save. There's only one way to God the Father, and that way is Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Have you had your sins washed away? Have you, been, have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? You do that through baptism. Baptism is when we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and we're buried in the water and we rise to a new life, a creation of God in the image, reclaiming our image. 
of God. For those of us who have done that, I pray you're using this time to grow. We've been talking about this. I pray you're using this time to grow. And I pray you take this challenge to fast because I am telling you, I can't explain to you what's going to do for you. But it's done amazing things for me. It's made me realize so much how much my physical can get in the way of my spiritual. So if you have a need to respond to the invitation today, you can come as together we stand and sing. Thanks for joining us this morning, whether you're here or you're at home with the internet. Uh, we had internet problems this morning, but thankfully that's up. Uh, Steve was trained to undo what Spectrum did. So anyways, good job, Steve. Um, we never can tell. Lights, uh, electricity and water, we just turn it on and it works. Uh, the internet's down, we all just say, eh, the internet's down. Unfortunately, right now it's a, a part of us on getting the files to us, getting the uh, video to home too. So anyways. Um, Back to school giveaway, the elders are collecting money to, uh, we're gonna plan on giving away some uh, school supplies to kids. So if, you, if you're interested in that, you can either give money to one of the elders or put it in one of the boxes back here. Just mark up for school giveaway, it'll get to us. We'll work on that. Um, pick up a bulletin, whether you get electronic or in paper. If you want one in paper and you're at home, swing by before the next service, we'll get you one, uh, along with communion supplies or whatever. Couple things that missed it. Calvin Nobles is going to. Calvin Nobles had a heart cath this past week. This coming week on Wednesday, he's going to have a heart pump installed. Um, so keep Calvin in your prayers and Arliss. Uh, Calvin's. It's also Calvin's birthday on Wednesday. So if you happen to be a card sender, send Cal, Calvin a card. I'm sure he could use it for either one. 
Another thing that missed the, uh, the bulletin is Chris Griffin retired this week. Uh, 26 years of decorated service with the Marine Corps. Uh, the video is online. Um, you get to see the change of command and everything. It was very nice to watch. So I um, know that he's, he's planning on coming here, and uh, Charlie and Gail will be glad to have him close. Um, another one, I think Mitzi's probably ready for her fourth chemo treatment, that fourth out of four. Uh, I think it's about time for that. It's been three weeks, I think, since her third. Um, I'm glad she's ready to be done with that, that segment of it. Hopefully it's all working well for her. Um, that's it for right now. On Wednesday night, Matt's going to be here. We're going to have a, another video class, so tune in on uh, Facebook or YouTube. Um, we'll take questions, and hopefully we'll try to do a little interactive stuff with that. So thank you all again, and uh, we'll see you next time. stand for our closing song. Blessed be the tide that binds our hearts and love the fellowship of kindred minds is like to Father in heaven, we humbly bow before you, Father. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise. Our creator, our provider, one who showers us with blessings every day of our life. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we've had to come together, both here and over the internet, and sing songs and praise and worship you and hear another portion of your wonderful word which helps guide our lives. Father, we thank you so much for Chris Griffin, his service. We thank you for all of our first responders and our military who keep us safe. And we just pray that you will protect them and give them what they need to take care of us. Father, as we leave now, we ask you to please let us shine our light so that those around us can see the joy of being a child of yours and help us love them the way we love ourselves. Go with us now, guide us, direct us, forgive us of our sins. We ask all these prayers in the name of your Son and our precious Savior. Jesus Christ, amen.